0: Good evening everyone, how are you? The sun has set according to the Bible, what is this day? That's right, it's the Sabbath according to the Bible. Now it may not be Sabbath according to custom. It may not be Sabbath according to tradition. It may not be Sabbath according to habit. But it is Sabbath according to the Bible. And as far as God is concerned, this is what He looks for. So happy Sabbath! And may God bless you on this holy day. And may you sense and feel His holy presence. The Sabbath begins at sunset and ends at sunset. All those visiting for the first time, may I see your hands, please. First time guests, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. In the balcony, let me see. No one yet. All right. Thank you very much for coming. And I know deep in my soul that God will truly pour out a shower of blessings upon you for taking the time to be here it is easy to love people who love God's word what do you say and I really admire you I really do for your love for the word and I hope you'll go one step further true love for the word leads to obedience can you say amen? amen don't just admire the word love the word and if you truly love it you will obey it if you just admire it you look at it walk away respectfully That's not what God wants. A lot of respectful people will be in hell. But no obedient people will be in hell. Not if they've been obedient to God. But a lot of respectful people will be in hell. Because respect must go along with obedience to the will of God. Uh, You know how I complain about the quickness with which time flies. So let's get right into the message. Let us bow our heads and pray. Righteous Father in heaven, I come to you in the name of Jesus and ask you. With all my heart and soul, please take full control of my mind. Put your words in my tongue. Touch the minds of my brothers and sisters that the truth leaving your throne, passing through my mind and entering theirs, may be the truth that saves. I offer this prayer from my heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Our subject for tonight, adding and subtracting. Adding and subtracting. Let us go to first Timothy, uh 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Our subject is what? Adding and subtracting. 2nd Peter chapter 1. Reading from verse 5. And for those of you in the corridor or in the foyer or in the lobby, we have seats waiting for you. Second Peter chapter 1 reading from verse 5 and Peter says and beside this giving all diligence add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly what and to brotherly kindness charity for if these things be in you and abound they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our lord and savior our lord jesus christ but he that lacketh these things is what blind and cannot see afar off and have forgotten that he was purged from his old sins wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure let me repeat that verse 10 wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure for if ye do these things ye shall never fall verse 11 for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ let's go back to verse 5 adding and subtracting Peter says and beside this giving how much diligence what is diligence answer me quickly what's diligence faithfully all right faithfulness what else what's diligence perseverance someone said what is diligence working hard I like that I like the others too but I like that working giving your all now the Bible says giving all diligence I was talking to a young man a few years ago. He's in prison now. And I said that deliberately. And he wouldn't go to school. Five hours a day he played basketball. And the grandmother said, could you talk to him? Very nice fellow. But I said earlier, there will be a lot of nice people. Where? Oh, yes. There are a lot of nice people in prison who meant no harm. So being nice is not enough. Let me repeat until you're sick of hearing it being obedient is what God wants obedience will get you out of a pestle of trouble and so I spoke to him he said well you know, I just I got to play ball so five hours a day he's now he's in prison and the grandmother said now pray for him and I do if he had put the same diligence into going to school that he had put into playing basketball who knows where he would have been today because there is a connection between education and the likelihood of ending up in prison let me explain it differently as your education goes up the likelihood of involvement in criminal activity comes down diligence peter says give all diligence now not just about education your spiritual life there'll be educated people in hell come on say amen you said amen when i said they're nice people in hell come on say, they'll be educated people in hell there'll be well-dressed people in hell there'll be rich people in hell there'll be poor people in hell there'll be well-mannered people in hell but i say again no person obedient to christ will end up in hell And so Peter says, give all diligence, all diligence. Make it a matter of life and death. Giving all diligence, he said, add to your faith. Faith is fundamental. Without faith, finish it. It is impossible to please God. For by grace are ye saved? How? Through faith. So Peter says, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Knowledge. How diligent are you in acquiring biblical knowledge? Don't answer me. But peter says give all diligence i hear some music that's not special music for tonight (laughs) sounds nice but wrong time so god bless you as you turn it off if you have to stomp on it stomp on it to get it from disturbing the preacher what do you say but i love you and i love your electronic gadget but not now give all i want to stress give all diligence Sometimes when, uh, when, when I was counseling at the University of Michigan, students would talk to me about their Christian lives and they didn't have time for God. But they were Christians. I don't understand how that works. And I would say, you see how you spend hours in a laboratory doing research? You come early in the morning. You leave late. You don't see your family because you want to publish a paper and you want your name at the top maybe first name or second name after your mentor so you spend time and you lose sleep and you take abuse from those above you why you just want your name on the research paper because it will make your application to postgraduate work a little more attractive now God says take some of that diligence hmm? and add it to our pursuit of the knowledge of God's word Because we're talking now not about a position in a graduate school. We're talking about a place in God's kingdom which is not far hence. And so Peter says add. Now who does the adding? We do. Thank you whoever said that. We do. But we cannot naturally produce faith nor virtue. Where does that come from? above now as we get into god's word god provides the virtue and the faith and the temperance and the knowledge and the patience as god provides it we add it and so peter says add that's your responsibility and mine many christians believe that simply by going to church once every six months they will grow in grace Just by reading the bible one minute a week they will grow in grace it does not work like that as we put time into other areas of our lives and we plan and we go from one stage to the other how many of you are in high school may i see your hands you're in high school where's your hands okay junior high all right fine let's say you're in grade 11 grade 10 what junior high i don't know is it 9 10 what is it someone who went to junior high tell me what what are the in junior high Seven to, to eight. All right. When you were in seventh grade, what was your ambition? Eighth grade. Now, when you got to eighth grade, what was your intention? High school. Now, how would you have felt if all your friends moved on to high school and you were spending the third consecutive year in eighth? Mm-mm, that's right. Uh-uh. No, sir. You want to move from seventh to eighth. ninth to tenth by the time you get to 10th you start taking the psat and and you've got a college in mind usc ucla university of michigan loma linda you name them and you're still in high school you're planning you have this thing arranged step by step you're gathering your letters of recommendation because you intend to graduate With a bachelor's degree, then a master's and a PhD, or a bachelor's, an MD, or DD, or JD. Now, when it comes to spiritual growth, are you listening to me? When it comes to spiritual growth, that kind of effort is almost never seen. No one says, you know, I'm a selfish man. This is uh, September 29th, 2006. By December 29, 2006, three months from now, I should be 50% less selfish. No one makes these plans. We simply believe that the selfishness will evaporate like a mist in the morning sun. It does not happen. Spiritual growth must be planned. And so Peter says, add. You've been unhappy for the past six years. What will you do? thinking of your unhappiness will not improve your condition what can you do how can you change your circumstances change your thought pattern to get out of that darkness into the light of a god who loves you your house is leaking do you wait for the rainy season to pass or do you call a repair man a repair person to have that thing fixed you're four months pregnant you already have a a bank account for that child yet unborn you're already saving for the child's college yet unborn when it comes to spiritual growth i say christians believe that simply by claiming to love god they will grow in grace that's why there are a lot of dead christians in churches the christian who does not grow shrinks you cannot stay steady and so peter says grow in grace that's what he says in second peter chapter 3 verse 18 but in second peter 1 verse 5 add and our subject is adding and subtracting now let's go to first peter chapter 2 reading verse 1 first peter chapter 2 reading verse 1 let's look at subtracting this is easy arithmetic add and subtract nothing hard Do you have that first Peter 2 verse 1 Peter says wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings now the same Peter who said to add he now counsels us to lay aside remove from our lives subtract How many of you listening to me now have malice in your hearts don't raise your hands just think there is malice in your heart for someone right where you sit or stand peter says under the inspiration of the holy ghost representing jesus christ lay aside how much malice all when now And all guile. Can someone trust my word? Am I my word trustworthy? Is your word dependable? Are you known for being slick? Lay aside all guile. And hypocrisies And envies. Do you envy someone? Don't answer me. Peter says. Get rid of it. Lay it aside. Subtract it from your personality. Because it will destroy you. And all evil speaking. Did you speak well of everyone today? Did I speak badly of someone today? Get rid, Peter says, of all evil speaking. All envies, all hypocrisies, all malice, all guile. Peter says, lay them aside. The same Peter who said, at faith, at virtue at temperance, at patience, at godliness, at brotherly kindness, at charity. It's adding and subtracting. Lord, what do I have I need to get rid of, and what do I don't have I need to add. Let me tell you something you need to add to your thinking. I want you to add respect for your body. Say amen, say amen. Because your body is not yours. here's another problem with christians much of the bible we take as if god wrote it because he had nothing else to do so he was bored and he wrote down some poems and he said to us when you have time read these let me know what you think your body does not belong to you if I had the time I'd wait for more amends but I'll move on no sense forcing people after two and a half weeks things never change <laughs> my body is not mine this body is not mine the Bible says that let's go and see where God says that first uh Corinthians chapter 3 first Corinthians chapter 3 first Corinthians 3 reading from verse 16. Who wrote this book quickly paul tremendous man tremendous man used to kill people oh yes before he met christ or oh, he would take them to get killed whether he killed him himself i don't know but he certainly had a hand in the killing of many christians until jesus met him and made him someone willing to die for christ which he did first corinthians 3 verse 16 know ye not that ye the temple of god and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Verse 17, If any man defy this temple, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is what? Holy, which temple ye are. Now this has a dual application. The temple can refer to the church at large, and we should not defile it with sin. The temple also refers to the individual body. The Bible says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God? God wants to dwell right here through the spirit and in you but God does not dwell in polluted places and so God says if any man defile the temple of God him shall God destroy how do we defile the temple of God this body the things we eat and drink My brothers and sisters, we're told in the same book, 1 Corinthians, this time chapter 10, verse 31. Paul says, whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Think. Was God joking? No. Whatever you do, whatever I do, God requires, make sure that what you eat and what you drink glorifies me. Meaning, in eating and drinking, we must glorify God. Meaning, there is a way a Christian eats. Because not all eating patterns glorify God. There is a way a Christian drinks. Now, here I am at a bar sloshing alcohol i am not glorifying god and here i am eating snails using the french word escargot to give it style class and culture and i am destroying a body that was not made to consume that thing and God says look when you eat think of me think of me and watch what you eat when you drink think of me meaning there is no occasion when the Christian in acting thinking or speaking does not have to think of God let us add respect for our bodies now how else do we defile the body sexual misbehavior and I won't stay on it long I don't want to embarrass anyone. But the Bible says in First Corinthians six, verse fifteen, know ye not, I'll let you get there, First Corinthians six fifteen. First Corinthians six fifteen. Do we have that? Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ what the members are the parts of Christ in other words the church collectively makes up Christ spiritually because the church is the body of Christ on earth now the Bible says "Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ shall I take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot in other words well, shall I take this body that belongs to Jesus Christ and then use it this body given to us was not given as an instrument of immorality it was given as a place where god is glorified in everything we do what do you say but when people walk around thinking i belong to myself i can do what i like it is step one Towards a downward slope because we do not belong to ourselves. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein, you belong to God. I belong to God and therefore we are caretakers of this body. Which house is the mind? As I said last night or the night before then, what shall I put into my mind? What shall I read? What shall I watch? What do my children watch? Do my children love the Bible? Oh, when Bible reading time comes, there's a riot in the house. Do my children love the if not whose fault? Ye are not your own. 1 corinthians 6 verse 20 for ye are bought with a price you know what that price is the blood of jesus christ which means a couple of things one god places a high value on us you know jesus said in matthew 10 verse 29 are not two sparrows sold for one farthing? that shows the value of the sparrow to the man selling them But the price on us was the very life of God. Jesus Christ, the second member of the Godhead. Meaning that God thinks of me way up there. While I think of myself way down here. If a prostitute or a pimp clearly understood how God thought of them. You understand me? It may change the life. Because people have a desire to live up to what? Expectations. Whatever life you and I live, God's desire for us is way above where we are now. Immorality was never God's plan for us. Sexual perversion was never God's plan for us. And the church ought to be a place where the world comes to see how morally upright people live. Yeah. There's something else about your body. Now I'm about to step on some toes. I don't mean it. You forgive me? Yeah. Say yes, say yes. Your body belongs to God. Did you ask God permission to pierce your navel? Did you have a Bible text for it? Did you have a Bible text for drawing a motorcycle on your arm? What are we doing to God's body? God didn't give me this to be a billboard for, 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 for tattoos. But a billboard for the character of jesus christ say something and that doesn't require something outward it comes from inside and jesus tattoos his character on our hearts you've got people walking around with god's body tattoos from here to now that doesn't mean you're a bad person you just didn't know so if you have a tattoo you don't have to hide it it's okay i just have to say what's right you understand it's a difficult position i don't want to offend you but i am held accountable to God, if I don't say what needs to be said. I'm still your brother. You're not looking at a perfect man. I need more grace than you do. But my job is painful, because I am speaking about a lifestyle, sinless living, and I'm a sinner. So it's painful for me, but I've got to do it. We put things in our ears... We bore our noses, eyelids, tongues. And I've seen people with... <laughs> Let's look at the Bible. And see what the Bible says about outward adorning. Let's go to First Peter. Chapter 3. Reading from verse 1. We're continuing adding and subtracting. We want to subtract what I'm talking about now. All this disregard for God's body. First Peter chapter 3, reading from verse 1. Do we have that? He says, likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to whom? To whom? Your what? Your own husband that if any obey not the word he also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wife now in the old English the word conversation means conduct the way the wife lives her life and carries herself let me simplify Peter is saying look woman or women if you are married to an unbelieving husband you want to win him to Christ don't nag the man live an upright life let him see an upright life that's what Peter is saying nagging has no soul winning value and so Peter says who's a while they behold verse to your chase conversation chase means pure conversation means lifestyle or conduct coupled with fear fear means respect for the man even though he's not a believer but he's your husband so Peter says ladies if you're married to an unbelieving husband Here's what you do to win that man's heart live faithfully to what god has told you don't nag him let him see your taste pure life mingled with a respect for him despite his disregard for god now peter gives us some advice about how to live this pure life this chaste life verse three speaking of the wife whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair or of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel peter says that's not the way that's not what the man needs to see don't cover yourself in gold peter said that's not the adorning i mean or unnecessarily expensive clothes when he says plaiting of hair back in peter's day women had hairstyles that took a long time to get done. And Peter says, look, that's not necessary. You sit half a day in a chair to have someone do whatever they do. Peter said, that's not necessary at all. That's not what God wants for you. He said, don't do that. Verse 4, but let it be the hidden man of the heart. Peter goes from outside to where? Inside. He says, but, meaning difference, let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not what. What does corruptible mean? It spoils, it is perishable, it does not last. Now what is corruptible? Let's go back to verse 3. The fancy hairstyles, all the golden ornaments, and all the expensive clothes. Peter says, those things are perishable, they are corruptible, they don't last. He said, don't let those distinguish who you are. So he says, let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible. Meaning, the character you build on the inside will never perish. That is why the Bible teaches, based on this verse and other passages, the only thing we take from here to heaven is the character. Everything else perishes in the fire even this body changes from corruptible to what in corruption the only thing god does not touch is the hidden man of the heart the character and that is not decorated with gold and silver and chains and pearls and lace it is decorated by constant exposure to the principles of god's word now that's not an easy thing to preach Because both men and women are burdened by something called vanity. Did you hear me? Vanity. And the business people understand the power of vanity. And so every year, billions and billions are spent on bleaches and relaxers and tighteners, and and, uh, colors, and deep cleansers, and shallow cleansers, and all kinds of things. Why? For one reason, beautify where? The outside. And money that could be given to the gospel goes to Fifth Avenue, New York, or wherever it is in San Bernardino. And God says, God looketh not on the outward appearance, but where? On the heart. Now, try to explain the logic to me. Listen carefully. God says, my son, my daughter, my focus is on the inside. And we say, okay, we hear you, Father. Down to the jewelry store. (laughs) Okay, Lord, I'm ready. Didn't you hear me? I don't focus on the outside. Take that money and go buy some Bibles. Buy a hymn book. You know, buy a commentary on Daniel and Revelation. Take that money back. Go upon that stuff and bring my tithe. And my offering. I don't look, God says on the outside you know why God says because if you go back to Genesis chapter 3. the minute Adam and Eve messed up the first thing they started to fix was where the outside and what did God have to do he had to take it off and give them a coat of skin that represented the righteousness of Christ that functions from the inside out very first thing Adam and Eve did To fix their rotten condition was to begin fixing the outside. And that's not where the problem was. The problem is on the inside. Jesus says, out of the heart of man proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders. Not from his skin. But our society does not value character. It values pretense and show and display. And so we worship Hollywood actors who have nice exteriors. They walk the red carpet. They're all the most expensive and unnecessary outfit. Thousands and thousands of dollars. And we look at this thing. Then we go get a second mortgage in our house to buy that dress. And God says, my child, my child, I don't look on the outside. I look on the heart. What are you spending to beautify your heart? Take off. She says, all of that. Take it off, God says. Let's go to Genesis chapter 35. Quickly, reading from verse 1. Time is, you know what time does to me? Yes, it flies. Like the leopard in Daniel 7 has four wings what book did i say genesis what chapter 35 what verse reading from verse 1. now in this chapter jacob is about to get out of where he was living in the area of uh, the philistines because his sons had killed all the men in the city because the prince of that town had raped the guy's sister called dinah jacob had 12 boys one girl and you don't mess with a girl who has 12 brothers you know you don't do that And so the 12 brothers, or some of the 12 brothers, two of them, Simeon and Levi, went and told the men, look, you can marry our sister, but you have to be circumcised. The men said yes. Now it's one thing to circumcise an 8-day-old boy, 8 days. You circumcise a 40-year-old man. That man is useless for a few weeks. And so they circumcised all the men in the city. And after three days, the Bible says when they could not move, Simeon and Levi came in with their swords and just... Because the men couldn't fight back. Men, you understand, couldn't fight back. Now, Jacob realized he had to get out of there because those men, after they recovered, well, they're the relatives, would take revenge. And so, as they prepared to go, God gave them some instructions. Now, God is saying, Look, you go set up an altar and come and worship me. Verse 1 of Genesis chapter 35, the Bible says, And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and make thee an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau, thy brother, when he was running 20 years earlier. And God came and reassured him, I'll take care of you. The Bible says, then Jacob said unto his household, unto all that were with him, put away the strange gods that are among you. And be clean and change your garments. Now, he tells them three things. Put away the strange gods. Be clean. Change your garments. What is involved in being clean? They're going to worship God in a very special way. Verse 3. And let us arise and go up to Bethel, And I will make them an altar unto God that answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. Verse 4. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in there and all their what? Earrings which were where? In their ears. God is saying be clean. Part of spiritual cleansing is to remove those things that make no Contribution to spiritual growth, but only feed the desire for looking good on the outside. God says, Remove them. Remove them. Let's go to Hosea chapter 2. We read 1 verse, verse 13. In this book, God is complaining about the way Israel has treated him, his people. They have not been faithful, and in scripture, unfaithfulness to God is called adultery or fornication or idolatry so God is using the life of Hosea as a living symbol of how he feels about the unfaithfulness of the nation of Israel and Hosea married this woman who would leave him have children with other men come back and God told Hosea go take her bring her back take her however unfaithful she is Hosea go get her I would not like to be Hosea nor any of you men sitting here, it was not easy. But Hosea had to feel some small degree of what God felt. When his people refuse to be faithful, they go after other spiritual lovers. Meaning, they leave the truth. Anything different from the truth is another spiritual lover. And God in his anger, righteous anger, he says in verse 13, and I will visit upon her the days of Balaam. The word visit means brings punishment. The days of bailing the times when she went after baal the false god when she burned incense unto them and she decked herself she's going after the false gods now here's how she goes and she decked herself with what her earrings and her what jewels and she went after her what lovers and forget me saith the lord god is saying when you went after false lovers committed spiritual adultery left the truth for error god describes israel as a woman who decks out herself you know what the word deck means not what's at the back of your house it is hanging everywhere decked out and god says i'm going to punish you let's go see another woman who was decked out then we have to move on revelation 17. The angel tells John, Come, let me show you the judgment on the great whore, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Now in verse 3, So he carried me away the way in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet, colored beast, Revelation 17.3, full of names of blasphemies, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and death with and and having what kind of cup a golden cup in her hand now it's very serious that the cup is golden but the contents what what are the contents full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication but on the outside you cannot tell because it is golden cup and while you assume what is on the inside is as golden as the outside, the difference is shocking. It's a golden cup, but full of abominations and filthiness of a fornication. God is saying, I want the inside golden. And if the inside is golden, the outside will change. But if the outside is golden, the inside does not change because change begins from the inside out not from the outside in look at another woman in revelation we looked at these women a few days ago revelation 12 reading from verse 1 revelation 12 reading from verse 1 the bible says and they appear the great wonder in heaven a woman clothed with the sun And the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. Now compare how she looks. What is she wearing? Light. Light. The light of truth. The light of the life of God. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Light. Truth. That's all she wore. That woman in Revelation represents the true church. That woman in 17 represents Babylon she is Babylon verse 5. and upon her forehead was a name written Babylon the great mother of harlots and abominations of the earth but beautifully dressed but mother of harlots spiritually and abominations of the earth but looking good the woman in Revelation 12 the mother of Christ Meaning Mary at one level and the church at another. The woman in Revelation 12, just the light of heaven. Simple, profound, deep. Now you tell me in your heart, which of these two women do you want people to think of when you dress? And that's you alone to answer. I can't answer that for you. Men, same thing. You know the men with all these chains around their necks like shackles? Does the rappers do it? The bling, they call it. The bling, bling. Jesus never had that stuff. The bling of Christ was on the inside. It was in the inside. You know, Isaiah 53 says, Christ was nothing to look at. There was no beauty in him that we should behold him. There was nothing about Christ on the outside that would allow someone to look twice. But the way we dress men and women, we dress deliberately so that people look twice. (laughs) This is serving and feeding self. And Jesus says, when you come to me, deny what? Deny yourself. Only the Spirit of God can give us victory over external beautification because we grow up in a society where it feels almost compulsory to put metal on your body God says I want you to subtract that take that off let me give you an inner character that will beautify not just you but all those in your sphere of influence Let me give you a character of Jesus that shines like gold. Talking about Jesus, let's go look at the high priest who represented Christ. Exodus 28. The high priest represented Christ. Exodus 28. Reading from verse 17. Do you have that reading from verse 17? The Bible says that thou shalt set it in settings of stone, even four rows of stones. The first row shall be a sardius, a topaz, a carbuncle. Now these were on the breastplate of the high priest. The high priest represented Christ. Notice they were on the breastplate, not hanging from his ears. This shall be the first row, verse 18. And the second row shall be an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond. And the third row, a liger an agate. And an amethyst, and a row a beryl, an onyx, and a jasper, they shall be set in gold in the enclosings. Now, when the high priest functioned in the tabernacle, he wore that stuff. When he was not functioning, he took it off. He was authorized to wear precious stones on his priestly garments, not his body. The only person from Genesis to Revelation authorized to hang things on them was the high priest. And it did not hang from his eyelids or his nose or his tongue. It hang on his clothes, which he only wore when he was officiating before God. My brothers, my sisters, Jesus is our example in everything. Those jewels that hang on us should be love, joy, peace, long-suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance the fruits of the spirit should hang from us and grow from the heart that is filled by the spirit let me give you an experiment to try try going one week without wearing all that stuff one week see how you feel there's a lady who sings there uh, she's a christian now she used to sing for the world before she said to me There was a time when if someone knocked on my door they'd have to wait half an hour while i put on makeup i would not answer the door without makeup not her character that no makeup for that that's not important let me make up the outside that will perish in the flames she said she never answered until christ came into her heart and she realized it's not the makeup but the inside and that part of her she says is gone thank god my brothers my sisters adding and subtracting add respect for your body eat that which will glorify god not just what's good but eat the amount that glorifies God. Somebody say amen. (laughs) Overeating is a violation of the law of temperance, and it leads to all kinds of problems, and I will leave that alone. I've said before, my personal view is, the dieting problem in the United States is a problem that is spiritual. There's nothing science can do To bring down the problem every year, billions and billions, and they just don't work. It is a spiritual problem, and the devil knows if he can get us weak in appetite, he can throw us over in every other area of our lives. Glorify God not only in what you eat, but in how much. Glorify God in what you drink, how much don't smoke it's a disgrace to the body of god you cannot glorify god by binging on alcohol you cannot glorify god by making soft drinks your h2o you know when god made adam and eve he gave them fruits and water not fruits and mountain dew he gave them fruit and water now don't get me wrong i'm not an extremist fruits have juice whether in the fruit or in a can fruits have juice don't get me wrong what I'm saying is if you know that something is bad for you you should not do it God says in first Samuel 16 7 the Lord seeth not as man seeth For man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh on the heart. Let me give you an example of how this functioned, and then I'll close. There's a prophet in scripture called Samuel. Ever heard of Samuel? Samuel has a distinction that only Jesus has. Of all prophets, Samuel has a distinction only Jesus has. Now Jesus, when he was on this earth, he was what? A prophet. He is now a... Come on, he's now a... And he's coming back as... So Jesus has held prophet, priest, and king. The only other person to hold those offices were Samuel. Prophet, priest, not king, but judge. They weren't kings then, they were called judges. Samuel held all three. He was a prophet, he was a priest, and judge, or king. No other person other than Christ. This was a powerful prophet. Now, let us see how a powerful prophet messed up big time, as we say. 1 Samuel 16, verses 6 and 7. And we're winding down adding and subtracting first samuel 16 16 and 6 and 7 god sent samuel to anoint a king to replace whom saul why did god reject saul let's yes but let's see it in scripture because i know you you'll be so glad when this series is over you no longer have to hear this preacher say obey <laughs> you you'll just say oh he's gone no more obedience But someone else will come and tell you. I hope God sends another man or woman to tell you. The secret of success with God is plain and simple. Do what I say. Let me show you why God got rid of Saul. 1 Samuel 15, 23. 1 Samuel 15, 23. Last part of that verse. Because thou hast rejected what? The word of God. He hath also what? Rejected thee from being king. When you say no to truth, you say no to God. God sent Samuel to anoint David to replace Saul. God was through with Saul, but he sat on the throne for a few more years. God could be through with you, and you're still in church. I didn't hear anyone groan. You didn't understand what I said. God's spirit can leave a man or a woman and the person still comes to church because habit is such a powerful force and god is no longer in that person's life god left saul verse, chapter 16 said the spirit of god left him in chapter 17 david is fighting goliath for saul saul dies in chapter 31 of 1 samuel verse 6 when the first boy of jesse's father of jesse david's father came elias elias the bible says when samuel saw him he said surely the lord's anointed is what before him for samuel 16 6. surely the one god has in mind to be king is standing right here why because the boy clearly had an impressive appearance this prophet who was also king and priest only other person to occupy those positions was jesus christ this powerful prophet he was deceived by outward appearance. And God said in verse 7 Look not upon what? The what? His counselors, not on the height of his? For I have. That's right. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on what? God looketh where? If God looks on the heart where should our emphasis be give me a common sense response the heart why is our emphasis where god does not look it makes no sense i'm not saying to run around and look as though you fell out of the back of a salvation army truck but i am saying i am simply saying put the emphasis where on the inside will someone say amen Put it on the inside and let that emphasis be obvious there's something else i want you to subtract as my time winds down subtract sunday from your life as a holy day get rid of it as a holy day i said as a holy day it is not a holy day add the truth of the seventh day sabbath and i have to be blunt because this series ends tomorrow subtract sunday from your life as a holy day it is not a holy day, and I speak with respect, but I haven't got much time left. I offered $2,000. Don't ask me if I had it, but I offered it. <laughs> you still love me? <laughs> all right. When I preach about Sabbath and Sunday, all of a sudden I have enemies I never knew I had. I offered $2,000, 1000 for one verse that says the first day is holy, another 1000 for one verse that says God changed the Sabbath from Sabbath, seventh day to the first. No one came for the money. You know why? It's not here. I want you to accept the seventh day Sabbath, which is God's day. And I want you to subtract Sunday as a holy day. Do that. Obey the truth. God will bless you. Get rid of Sunday out of your life. As a day of worship, a, a holy day, it is not a holy day. In the eyes of God, it is no different from Thursday. I don't care how many people go to church on Sunday, it is not holy. One day is holy. That's the seventh day of the week. And according to the Bible, the, week begins, the day begins at sunset. You are now living in what kind of time? Holy time. This is the Sabbath. And God wants you to keep it. And I want you to decide tonight, Lord, I'm adding Sabbath to my life. Not because that man said so in a loud voice, but because I see it from Scripture. And I have no Scripture for Sunday as a holy day. I am adding seventh-day Sabbath and subtracting first-day Sunday. It is not a holy day. It's a good day, but not holy. The seventh-day Sabbath is the holy day. I want you to add it. Now I want you to think, you've heard me talk about some tough things. I want you to put on your card, Lord, I heard some things that have challenged me. But I want to obey you. And that's what I want you to write. I want to obey you, that's one. If you don't want to obey, don't write on that card. Those cards are for holy purposes. Number two, I have been fighting the decision to be baptized too long tonight i am making a decision to be baptized because jesus wants me to do that i'm adding baptism and subtracting stubbornness i want you to make a decision on that card i want to be baptized and live in obedience to what i have learned from the word of god not based on this man's opinions listen to me anything outside of the truth and you are not safe You are not safe. Preaching is a life and death matter for me and many other preachers. Anyone living outside of the bounds of truth is in danger. You know, on Loma Linda's campus, there's an office called risk management. You ought to have an office of risk management in your life. Are you willing to take the risk to wake up in the resurrection and realize you're lost? When all you had to do was move from Sunday one day back. Are you willing to be lost because of a piece of gold? Not because gold is evil. Because God says don't decorate the outside. That's why. And he says honor my holy Sabbath day. Which is right now. And so I want you to write on that card. I want to obey. Remove all that outward adorning. Take care of my body. A healthy body is a healthy mind the healthier your mind the more clearly you can understand spiritual things and i want to keep god's sabbath day because that's what he wants obey from your heart i told you before everything comes from the heart whether it's disobedience it comes from the heart then give god obedience from the heart it comes from no other source all is from the heart tonight i want to be baptized or, I want to obey God. Put away that outward adorning. Put it away. Take care of my body. Watch what I eat. Watch what I drink. No smoking, no drugs. Because my body is not mine. All those of you who will say, Lord, I want to glorify you in the way I take care of my body, raise your right hand. Now, now be serious with me. Hands down. Those of you who will say, Lord, I have been challenged by this preaching on removing outward adornment, and I want to be faithful. Raise your right hand. Okay, don't be afraid. Raise it. God wants a willing heart. He can work with a willing heart. Hands down. Those of you who have not yet been Sabbath keepers, you'll say, Lord, the Sabbath truth is troubling me, but I want to do what's right. It's strange to me, but I want to obey you. Raise your right hand. strange to me, but I want to obey you. Bless you. Bless you. God bless you. I want to obey you. In the balcony, wherever you are. God bless you. God bless you. I I can hardly see the blessings on you, my sister. God bless you. Make sure my sister in the balcony gets a card. I want to obey you. Every car has a manual. You obey the manual, your car runs a long time. There's a manual for wiring this place. There's a manual for everything. This is the manual for successful life with God. And moving from here to the next life. Not floating around as a spirit living a physical real life but without sin now those of you who will say lord i recommit my life to you keep me faithful what you stand keep me faithful i recommit my life keep me faithful just stand with me after the service i want to meet all the baptismal candidates right to the front right up here we have some instructions for you You might have heard already the baptism tomorrow at 2 o'clock at Drayson or Grayson. What is it, Drayson? Drayson Center on campus. Then we have another activity for the candidates. We'll tell them what that is. And of course, tomorrow morning at 10, there's one part of the service. Then I speak at 11, and I speak again for the final time tomorrow night at 7. My brothers and sisters, let me speak from my heart. God loves you and once each one of you saved in his kingdom which is coming. However ridiculous it may sound, there's a kingdom that God is coming to usher in. God cannot allow the world to continue as it is. Famine, plague, disease, disaster, you know, uh, genocide, one nation bombing the other, uh, one nation terrorizing the other. You know, that has to stop it was not God's will and the point will the time will come when he will say I have been patient long enough with the world at large and with you and me and when God reaches that point he does not turn back put yourself in his hands as obedient children make sure we get those cards every head bowed every eye closed father in the name of Jesus I ask you today, God, please have mercy on us. Give us a heart that simply loves the truth, however strange it may sound. Give us a heart that so appreciates the sacrifice of Christ that we will be willing to do anything that Jesus asks us in his word. Give us a mind to keep your holy Sabbath, the seventh day, according to your Bible. Help us to remove Sunday as a holy day because it is not. Grant us the victory over external adornments and give us a focus on adorning the inside with the fruits of the Spirit through the indwelling of the Word of God. Help us to take care of these bodies you've given us because at any minute you can take the life from us. And Father, help us to be faithful and obedient one day at a time and save us when you come in Jesus' name I pray and for his sake that all God's people say amen and amen. Baptismal candidates right to the front. We need to talk to you. The rest of you, travel safely. God bless you. We shall see you right back here tomorrow, 10 o'clock.